0: Welcome to the Devin Nunes Podcast. Breaking through the political noise. Separating fact from fiction. Stay up to date by following Devin on Rumble.com to watch the podcast. Or downloading wherever
1: you listen to podcasts. From the San Joaquin Valley, the breadbasket of the solar system. Here's your host, Devin Nunes. It's Devin Nunes back with Captain Jerry Hendricks, retired naval aviator, author. Uh, Jerry, I hope everybody buys your book for for Christmas. It's a small, small book, uh, very concise, though, talking about the future of the U.S. Navy. Uh, And tell us just a little bit about that. Well we're yeah, gonna get into we're gonna talk Navy today.
2: I wrote to provide and maintain a navy, actually, for someone to be able to sit down and read in a day, to understand why sea power is important. In fact, it's critical to the United States and should be at the center of our national security strategy. We are a maritime nation, we were founded that way, we are dependent upon the seas, we are vulnerable to the seas, and so to provide and maintain a navy is is an important primer for people to come to grips with why the Navy Navy competition is going to be a huge mm-hmm. issue for us going forward over the next twenty years.
1: Yeah, it's an, it's essentially a book that every decision maker in this country, anybody that cares about uh, the future of our military, the future of, of the globe and international affairs should read your book because it, it doesn't take a long time but it's very clear. Uh, and today I just want to take take a chance. Let's do just a, a, a quick little tutorial uh, on frigates mm-hmm. because that's basically at the, uh, the main premise of your book are both frigates and submarines, right. the combination of the two. Obviously, we know with hypersonic missiles, all the weapons, these aircraft carriers, we've talked about that before. But I just want to focus on why it's so critical, the difference between frigates, kind of the history, how we don't have any now, how we need to bring them back, and then how we use frigates to essentially project force as an early warning sign and ability to project power around the globe at the cheapest cost to the U.S. taxpayer.
2: So, Jerry, first of all, what is a frigate? How big? So, a frigate is, is our smallest sort of transoceanic, meaning it can cross an ocean, um, uh, combatant ship that we have in, in the Navy, or for that matter, in anyone's Navy. So, generally, it's frigates, and then you go up to destroyers, and then you go to cruisers, and then battleships and aircraft carriers in sort of increasing size. Mm-hmm. But the frigate is essentially your smallest, what I call the cop on the beat generally it's right size most of your frigates have anywhere from 16 to 32 missiles on them destroyers Mm -hmm. have between 64 and 96 missiles cruisers are 120 plus Mm -hmm. uh missiles but how how long and how many men so generally a frigate's about 300 feet 350 feet Mm -hmm. and uh, its crew is generally between 120 to about 180 depending on which nation's ship design most of the newer modern frigates have fewer men to run them much more automation with the more modern ships, but it's a smaller crew. They're also smaller in terms of their width and in the draft, meaning how much water they draw underneath them. And that's important Mm -hmm. because that tells you what type of port they can go and visit. A lot of our larger ships, like our early Burt-class destroyers, there are ports all over the world that a destroyer cannot pull into because it draws too much water to go into. Mm -hmm. But the new frigates that we're looking at with this Constellation-class frigate will be able to go in because it's shallower in its draft We'll be able to go into the, some of these smaller ports and engage with our friends, partners, and allies in these regions and train with them and work with their local maritime militias or their local navies to train with them to build these partnerships that we've kind of ignored for most of the last 20 years. The
1: last time we had you on talking about frigates, we were talking about the last class of frigates, uh, which the name is escaping me Perry right now. Perry-class frigates. Perry-class frigates. There were some that were in storage, dry dock, um, that were sitting there rusting away, uh, have we made any progress on what are, are we... Is there any look to bring some of those back and to put them into use? No, there's no there's,
2: there's no. no forward motion on that. In fact, we're, we're trying, uh, the Navy seems to be intent on identifying uh, some of those 14 was the number that we had the last time of mm-hmm. these class frigates, which are in the Ready Reserve or the Ghost Fleet, as we call it. Mm-hmm. Some of those are being now designated as targets that we'll be using them as targets to shoot torpedoes and missiles at in order to sink them rather than either selling them. First of all, other nations are not looking to buy them right now. They're Mm -hmm. looking to buy things which are perhaps more modern, Um, but we're either going to, we're not selling them. And so we'll then, rather than bring them back into our own fleet to grow Mm -hmm. the Navy quickly, we're going to sink them and use them as targets. Well, I'm not sure how bright that is, but those
1: 14 were built when? When were were these designed and built?
2: So they were designed in the early 1970s. They were built in the 1970s through the 1980s. They were built in four separate yards Mm -hmm. uh, across the United States on the East Coast, the Southern Coast, and on the West Coast. Uh, We actually had some what we call the old Todd Yards which were up in Oregon and then one that was in California where we were building these. And so we produced them in large numbers fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we built you know, over 50 of these frigates and they remained in the fleet for the better part of 25 to 30 years. So what we're trying to do now is actually... Uh, to build more frigates, these new Constellation class frigates, which are Mm -hmm. based upon a European design. Really nice that we actually partnered with a company that used a European design, so it's mature. It's already at sea working with Other navies, there's already 14 Frem class frigates that are operating uh, around the world. So we're not having... Whose design is this? So this is a Fincantieri Marine Group uh, Mm -hmm. uh, as well. The French and the Italians built it first. Okay. Okay. And we have a Fincantieri Marine Group subsidiary in Marinette Marine in Wisconsin. And so Marinette uh, will be building this frigate on the, the on, on the Great Lakes, on Lake Michigan, in Green Bay, actually. Okay. And then it'll be coming out the St. Lawrence Seaway and then joining the fleet in the Atlantic. And
1: where – so where are we at? So I think this is new, right? So this contract has been awarded. I mean this is yep. – so where are we at in – is design phase
2: done and we're moving forward? So we're solidifying the design phase now. And this is really important. This is – there's been a lot of uh, – questions about, shouldn't we already start identifying a second yard to build these so we can build them in quick? History shows us that when you actually are creating a first-in-class ship at two separate yards, you're in fact creating two first-in-class ships. So you're going to repeat mistakes. The best way to do this is to build your first ship, solidify your design, go through, create your first ship, find out if there's any problems with that design, smooth out those problems with the second ship, And then by the time you get to building Ship 3 in your production line, that's when you begin to cut in a second yard so that perhaps either Ship 4 or Ship 5 will be built elsewhere. But you have a solid, mature design made to American standards that you've really sort of solidified it so you're not going to have problems. When we actually built the first two Arleigh Burke-class destroyers, we built the Arleigh Burke in Bath, Maine, and we built the John Barry down in Pascagoula, Mississippi. We had problems with both of those ships, and it took a while to kind of get the issues, get the bugs out of the design in both yards. I think it's best now that we sort of focus on Wisconsin, get that yard and that design solidified, and then transport the process and the design elsewhere in order to get the second yard up and running. But believe me, I don't want just 20 of these, which is what the Navy's original plan is. I'm looking for 50 to 60 of these ships. Uh, to be in the fleet because we need them to be the cop on the beat you know i i come back to the broken uh, glass theory broken windows theory of international sea power and seakeeping. and right now we got broken windows and we have declining neighborhoods all over the world's oceans we need to get the cops back out on the beach with these frigates to be out walking in and amongst the other nations of the world to start sewing back up our maritime uh, domain. So
1: how long before this first uh, prototype uh, comes out?
2: 2025 is when we'll see our first ship enter the fleet. Wow. They better uh, speed
1: up. They better well, go fast.
2: Well, it would be nice if we could go faster. But mm-hmm. this is the problem. You know, it's kind of interesting going back to Eisenhower, one of my favorite presidencies. You know, we went from a new idea and a new design uh, for the George Washington-class submarine in 1957, and the first hull hit the water in 1960. Incredibly fast at that point in time. Mm-hmm. We don't move that fast. You think about F-35, which uh, we began designing in the late 1990s, and we're still not through with production on it now. We, we've come so technically complex, yeah. uh, and we've got to find a way of Bura- cutting the red yeah,
1: tape. The, 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 there's so much bureaucracy, it just seems impossible. Mm-hmm. So. At what – so where we're currently at now, the trajectory with what we have funded um, or at least in the pipeline to be funded, uh, how – so if the first one hits the water in 2025, how many do we have by, let's just say, 2030?
2: So by 2030, you can have an expectation of probably eight to ten ships in the water by that time. That's not nearly enough. It's not nearly enough. (laughs) Jeez. And and so that's why these frigates that are in the Ghost Fleet right now – could be important. So when you and I talked before, we talked about how do you grow the Navy rapidly? Well, there's three ways. One is to build more ships new, more rapidly by expanding your industrial capacity. Two is to repair the ships that you presently have in your fleet. Like all these 22 Ticonderoga class cruisers that we're about to decommission over the next few years, it would cost us $500 million to repair and modernize them to get another 10 years out of them. It will cost us 3.5 billion minimum to replace them with a new ship and we would not see that ship until 2032 in the fleet at the earliest so if i could spend 500 million in repair yards now mind you repair yards are not where i'm building new ships repair yards are different yards that we have underinvested in mm-hmm. like Mare island in california mm-hmm. okay that could be a repair yard where i take an older tyco put it in for a year or so repair and modernize it and get it back in the fleet and so that's your second way. The third way is to go to your ghost fleet and pull those older ships that have been recently decommissioned out, modernize them, get them back into the fleet. That would cost a bit more than repairing because those ships have been sitting, you know, in fresh water for a while. But the fact of the matter is, is that's your three ways. And if you believe in the Davidson window that China's going to do something in the next six years, you're more interested in now than then. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the
1: fact that this continues to happen, I mean, we now know. So as the, the overall decision, This whole clumsy military and I think at least the Trump administration was at least trying to get them focused and trying to get Mm -hmm. them to move. Of course now we're – military is focused on critical race theory and ambiguity with with Taiwan. Of course the debacle in Afghanistan, I think all of our listeners know that. But in your book, Mm -hmm. um, in your view, how many – in a perfect world, how many frigates should we be putting out a year to get up to what number? And Then I assume you start the idea would be you'd be cycling out old ones and and so many new ones. Four ships a year minimum
2: uh, production schedule. Four frigates a year. Four frigates a year minimum. Okay. So Mm -hmm. I can easily— get up to an ultimate number of of how many? Six to eight. um, That would shorten your production. Per year. Yeah, per year. Per year. So you're looking at two ships— For a
1: total if we have a—because I think you call for what, a 400-ship
2: Navy? 456-ship Navy Mm -hmm. and with 62 frigates in the force. Um, So that's the number that I'd look at. So I could ramp up my frigates uh, as quickly, solidify the Mm -hmm. parent design, ramp up, look not just as a second yard, but perhaps even a third yard to be building them. I would look at a production capability on the west coast if I could, in order to build because I'm well, going to need additional production. If anybody wants
1: to go to California, that's a problem. We can't even get small businesses or flee in the state,
2: but that's a whole other issue. No, it's, a true, right? it's yeah. a true point. But if you think strategically, if a ship gets damaged in a war with China, am I going to pull it all the way back down to Pascagoula, Mississippi to repair it? No, I need to find something on the West Coast or quite frankly in Guam or one of our federated states in Micronesia. I need to find some place to get that ship quickly to repair it and get it back in the fight. Mm-hmm. We're not thinking about this stuff anymore. We've forgotten how to think strategically like we did in World War II.
1: Well, the whole idea that it would take us, I mean, you're, you're talking about uh, you know, 60, 70 frigates. Mm-hmm. I mean, in World War II, uh, I know you know these numbers yep. off the top of your head just give the give the audience uh, your your kind of top or two or three examples of, of type of ship and how many we built and in what time frame
2: well I, my favorite quite frankly because it's the biggest is your uh, is your aircraft carrier so the fleet aircraft carrier the essex class aircraft carrier we effectively went from uh, one you know uh, it, that was being built essentially at pearl harbor we had 32 aircraft carriers built within 3 years the Essex class was ruling the waves by the end and, of the war, and, and that doesn't that those are the larger ones. Now, yes. of course, today's I think are even bigger than
1: than, than that. But yeah. but then we had all the transport carriers on top of that, and how many? I mean, there were what
2: hundreds of those? Yeah, weren't the key there? here, I mean, just look at the mass numbers. So when the when the war starts in 1941, we're just under about 400 ships in the navy. By August of 1945, we're at six thousand two hundred ships in the Navy. It's a number that's practically unimaginable. We had over 50 yards in the U.S., in the United States, not only on the coasts, Gulf course, East Coast and West Coast, but on the Ohio and the Mississippi were putting out ships. We were building at least a ship a day. In fact, one time as an experiment, we built a ship in a day, started it, laid the keel, built it. It was an all-up effort. It was a gimmick in many ways, but that was the production capacity we had in these yards mm-hmm. to build. We are nowhere near that. We've gone from 50 plus shipyards in this country down to less than a dozen right now that have the capacity to do this type of work. That is a strategic deficit. That's that's just mind numbing to think how we got here. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the
1: whole idea here you're talking about building 60 or 70 over the course of the next 10 to 20 10 years. to 20 years. Yeah. And we built 32 aircraft carriers in three years. That's correct. I mean, we've got to get back to that or this Chinese existential threat is going to get worse and worse and worse. It seems what the,
2: like somebody would do something about this over at the Defense Department. The but. Chinese are actually – just one shipyard in China is building more in terms of raw tonnage per year than all of the United States. Combined. And they have combined. Yeah. And they have 20-plus shipyards that are mass-producing commercial ships and Navy ships. They're building a new combatant every six weeks. And we're building essentially four combatants a year in this country. You know, we, the Biden administration asked for eight ships, you know, four of those, you know, two were tugboats and the other ones were logistics, only four combatants. Now the Congress has stepped in and plus that number up. But I think the Navy and, ha- and the Department of Defense has to get serious and not depend on the Congress to come and fund their unfunded top line. Right. We actually need to fund and project our own internal. Well, the military
1: ownership. is more interested now in uh, forced vaccinations and teaching critical race theory. You don't have enough time to think strategically. I mean, this is becoming an absolute joke. But uh, Jerry, thanks a lot. Have a great uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And uh, obviously, if uh, people have, if, if they go to Devonunis.com uh, questions for Jerry. If you want to have Jerry come back on, talk about a specific issue as it relates to the Navy or military, anything geopolitical, uh, Jerry's just great support. Jerry, thanks for coming on and uh, educating our audience here. It's really, a, really a pleasure.
2: Always my pleasure. Thank
1: you for having me. All right. It's Devin Nunes. We'll catch you next time. Stay up to date by following Devin Nunes on Rumble.com to watch the podcast or download wherever you listen to
0: podcasts. stone has been gathering so long I up and rains falling down good people struggling in every hometown we started wondering if we Drive by fire like this, it's nothing hard family can't fix, we've got the power to save it all here in our hands, we'll take that hard road to happier days, cause we kept our by Devin Nunes Campaign Committee.